Letter fourteen of Letters on England by Voltaire, edited by Henry Molly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheyenne Arrowsmith. Letters on England by Voltaire. Letter fourteen on Descartes and Sir Isaac Newton. A Frenchman who arrives in London will find philosophy, like everything else, very much changed there. He had left the world a plenum, and he now finds it a vacuum. At Paris, the universe is seen composed of vortices of subtile matter, but nothing like it is seen in London. In France, it is the pressure of the moon that caused the tides, but in England, it is the sea that gravitates towards the moon. So that when you think that the moon should make it flood with us, those gentlemen fancy it should be ebb, which very unluckily cannot be proved. For to be able to do this, it is necessary the moon and the tides should have been inquired into at the very instant of the creation. You will observe farther that the sun, which in France is said to have nothing to do in the affair, comes in here for very near a quarter of its assistance according to your cartesians everything is performed by an impulsion of which we have very little notion and according to sir isaac newton it is by an attraction the cause of which is as much unknown to us at paris you imagine that the earth is shaped like a melon or of an oblique figure at london it has an oblate one a Cartesian declares that light exists in the air, but a Newtonian asserts that it comes from the sun in six minutes and a half. The several operations of your chemistry are performed by acids, alkalines, and subtile matter, but attraction prevails even in chemistry among the English. The very essence of things is totally changed. You neither are agreed upon the definition of the soul nor on that of matter. Descartes, as I observed in my last, maintains that the soul is the same thing with thought, and Mr. Locke has given a pretty good proof of the contrary. Descartes asserts farther that extension alone constitutes matter, but Sir Isaac adds solidity to it. How furiously contradictory are these opinions! Non nostrum mintel vos tant as componel lits. Virgil, Eclogue, three. Tis not for us to end such great disputes. This famous Newton, this destroyer of the Cartesian system, died in March, anno seventeen twenty seven. His countrymen honoured him in his lifetime and interred him as though he had been a king who had made his people happy. The English read with the highest satisfaction and translated into their tongue the elogium of Sir Isaac Newton, which Monsieur de Fontenelle spoke in the Academy of Sciences. Monsieur de Fontenelle presides as judge over philosophers, and the English expected his decision as a solemn declaration of the superiority of the English philosophy over that of the French but when it was found that this gentleman had compared descartes to sir isaac the whole royal society in london rose up in arms 
so far from acquiescing with monsieur fontenelle's judgment they criticized his discourse and even several who however were not the ablest philosophers in that body were offended at the comparison and for no other reason but because descartes was a frenchman it must be confessed that these two great men differed very much in conduct in fortune and in philosophy nature had indulged descartes with a shining and strong imagination whence he became a very singular person both in private life and in his manner of reasoning this imagination could not conceal itself even in his philosophical works which are everywhere adorned with very shiny ingenious metaphors and figures nature had almost made him a poet and indeed he wrote a piece of poetry for the entertainment of christina queen of sweden which however was suppressed in honour to his memory he embraced a military life for some time and afterwards becoming a complete philosopher he did not think the passion of love derogatory to his character he had by his mistress a daughter called francine who died young and was very much regretted by him thus he experienced every passion incident to mankind he was a long time of opinion that it would be necessary for him to fly from the society of his fellow-creatures and especially from his native country in order to enjoy the happiness of cultivating his philosophical studies in full liberty descartes was very right for his contemporaries were not knowing enough to improve and enlighten his understanding and were capable of little else than of giving him uneasiness he left france purely to go in search of truth which was then persecuted by the wretched philosophy of the schools however he found that reason was as much disguised and depraved in the universities of holland into which he withdrew as in his own country for at the time that the french condemned the only propositions of his philosophy which were true he was persecuted by the pretended philosophers of holland who understood him no better and who having a nearer view of his glory hated his person the more so that he was obliged to leave utrecht descartes was injuriously accused of being an atheist the last refuge of religious scandal and he who had employed all the sagacity and penetration of his genius in searching for new proofs of the existence of a god was suspected to believe there was no such being such a persecution from all sides must necessarily suppose a most exalted merit as well as a very distinguished repetition and indeed he possessed both reason at that time darted a ray upon the world through the groom of the schools and the prejudices of popular superstition at last his name spread so universally that the french were desirous of bringing him back into his native country by rewards and accordingly offered him an annual pension of a thousand crowns upon these hopes descartes returned to france paid the fees of his patent which was sold at that time but no pension was settled upon him thus disappointed he returned to his solitude in north holland where he again pursued the study of philosophy whilst the great galileo at fourscore years of age 
was groaning in the presence of the inquisition only for having demonstrated the earth's motion at last descartes was snatched from the world in the flower of his age at stockholm his death was owing to a bad regimen and he expired in the midst of some literati who were his enemies and under the hands of a physician to whom he was odious the progress of sir isaac newton's life was quite different he lived happy and very much honoured in his native country to the age of fourscore and five years it was his peculiar felicity not only to be born in a country of liberty but in an age when all scholastic impertinences were banished from the world reason alone was cultivated and mankind could only be his pupil not his enemy one very singular difference in the lives of these two great men is that sir isaac during the long course of years he enjoyed was never sensible to any passion was not subject to the common frialities of mankind nor ever had any commerce with women a circumstance which was assured me by the physician and surgeon who attended him in his last moments we may admire sir isaac newton on this occasion but then we must not censure descartes the opinion that generally prevails in england with regard to these new philosophers is that the latter was a dreamer and the former a sage very few people in england read descartes whose works indeed are now useless on the other side but a small number peruse those of sir isaac because to do this the student must be deeply skilled in the mathematics otherwise those works will be unintelligible to him but notwithstanding this these great men are the subject of every one's discourse sir isaac newton is allowed every advantage whilst the descartes is not indulged a single one according to some it is to the former that we own the discovery of a vacuum that the air is a heavy body and the invention of telescopes in a word sir isaac newton is here as the hercules or fabulous story to whom the ignorant ascribed all the feats of ancient heroes in a critique that was made in london on monsieur de fontenelle's discourse the writer presumed to assert that descartes was not a great geometrician those who make such a declaration may justly be reproached with flying in their master's face descartes extended the limits of geometry as far beyond the place where he found them as sir isaac did after him the former first taught the method of expressing curves by equations this geometry which thanks to him for it is now grown common was so abstruse in his time that not so much as one professor would undertake to explain it and schotten in holland and format in france were the only men who understood it he applied this geometrical and inventive genius to dioptrics which when treated of by him became a new art and if he was mistaken in some things the reason of that is a man who discovers a new tract of land cannot at once know all the properties of the soil 
those who come after him and make these land fruitful are at least obliged to him for the discovery i will not deny but that there are innumerable errors in the rest of descartes's works geometry was a guide he himself had in some measure fashioned which would have conducted him safely through the several paths of natural philosophy nevertheless he at last abandoned this guide and gave entirely into the humour of forming hypotheses and then philosophy was no more than an ingenious romance fit only to amuse the ignorant he was mistaken in the nature of the soul in the proofs of the existence of a god in matter in the laws of motion and in the nature of light he admitted innate ideas he invented a new element he created a world he made man according to his own fancy and it is justly said that the man of descartes is in fact that of descartes only very different from the real one he pushed his metaphysical errors so far as to declare that two and two make four for no other reason but because god would have it so however it will not be making him too great a compliment if we affirm that he was valuable even in his mistakes he deceived himself but then it was at least in a methodical way he destroyed all the absurd chimeras with which youth had been infatuated for two thousand years he taught his contemporaries how to reason and enabled them to employ his own weapons against himself if descartes did not pay in good money he however did great service in crying down that of a base alloy i indeed believe that very few will presume to compare his philosophy in any respect with that of sir isaac newton the former is an essay the latter a masterpiece but then the man who first brought us to the path of truth was perhaps as great a genius as he who afterwards conducted us through it descartes gave sight to the blind these saw the errors of antiquity and of the sciences the path he struck out is since become boundless Hall's little work was during some years a complete system of physics but now all the transactions of the several academies in europe put together do not form so much as the beginning of a system in fathoming this abyss no bottom has been found we are now to examine what discoveries sir isaac newton has made in it end of letter fourteen recording by cheyenne arrowsmith